guys, and welcome back to another episode of Bored and Nerdy. I am your host, S. Dan the Legend, and I'll be guiding you through all things nerddom during this time of boredom. Last week, I made a promise to deliver on some games you can play with your friends and family on either low-budget PCs or smart devices. We'll start off with that, and then we'll move into a rant, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about some cool TV I've been watching. So to get things started, let's go right into those recommendations about social games you could play while social distancing. This first one, most of you that listen to me already know about, but I actually introduced to a couple of our listeners uh, this past week, and they had a great experience with it, um, the Jackbox Party Games. These could be gotten on just about any PC platform. Uh, I'm even sure that, I'm not quite sure whether or not you could get them on... Uh, Things like Switch and PlayStation, but they're pretty well known and they're readily available. Um, they don't require a lot to run them. Only one person needs a copy of the game. But what Jackbox does very well is it creates those 20 to 30 minute party games that we all love to play, you know, like the charades and the Pictionary and Skagories, those sort of things. It has a whole bunch of them. Um, I believe right now they're on Jackbox uh, Party Pack 6. And each one comes with four to six games in it um, of various natures. Some are like trivia games. Um, one of my favorites being Fibbage. Fibbage is a trivia game where they will ask a question. Everybody gets to provide a fake answer. And you want to make it sound true because you get points for people guessing your incorrect answer. And then there's within all these incorrect answers, the correct answer is hidden. Right, So it's a trivia game, but the wrong answers are made up by the players. And you get points for baiting people into your answers. Um, they have games for artists. There's uh, Bidiots, which you get people to bid on art. Uh, Patently Stupid, where you get to draw blueprints for new inventions. There's games in there for wordsmiths. Um, Madverse City is a game I love. It's about giant robots that are in rap battles and destroying the city. There's also fun little uh, mini games like uh, Murder Mystery, I think it's what it's called, where you play these tiny little events and then the winners get advantages and then there's trivia in between. There's a lot of stuff you can do with these Jackbox games and each party pack comes with a different set of games. So, you know, don't just blindly go out and, and buy any Jackbox game. Make sure that you look at the games in it and... Uh, you're interested in them. I know that the Epic Game Store has done a couple of the Jackbox games for free. Some of the older ones, the, some of the older, less popular ones are, are really cheap, like $5 or less. Some are around $10 mark. I believe when they first come out, they're a $20 purchase. But I will say that if you're the type of person that's into these sorts of things, um, they're, they're very much so worth the money. You will definitely get your $20 back. Most games can have six to eight players at a time. But then you can also have audience participants. Uh, the way it works is that, you know, one person who owns a copy of the game hosts the game. Uh, you could do it through Zoom. You could do it through Discord. You could do it through Teams. You could do it through Google Meet. Any, any screen sharing software could do it. So you share the game that you're hosting. And then everybody else in their browser, they could do it on their smartphone, their tablet, their, their PC. They go to jackbox.tv. They're going to enter the code that is unique to your game. And they will get instructions on their tablet, like what to answer, what to do. And then the results and other people's answers will be on the host screen. 
right? So it's almost like when you're playing bar trivia and you have that little thing at your table that you're interacting with, but the, the actual game is being played up on a screen that everybody can see. It works a lot in that way. So that is Jack, like the name Jack, box, as in, you know, what things come in, TV. All right, so um, Jackbox Party Pack can be played on jackbox.tv. Check them out. It's, it's a really fun game. Um, I would highly recommend it for anybody that's looking for something to do with their family, especially. Uh, it works best when you know the people you're playing with. The inside jokes make it all the much uh, more funnier. I don't even know if that was proper grammar, but it's too late to go back and restart this episode now. So that much more funnier is staying. Um, it can be great for even little kids if you play the appropriate games. Uh, crude humor does make the game funnier and it's kind of, I also look at it as if you're going to play something like quiplash in there or, uh, patently stupid, you have to have a kind of cards against humanity mentality, uh, especially with quiplash, you know, sometimes the best approach is just to attack the other players. I know that sounds savage, but, uh, it's definitely a great one to play with your buddies, do it during like a virtual happy hour. Enjoy. So that's Jackbox Party Packs. Um, Jackbox.tv is the website. So if you're not into that, perhaps you're into card games. Um, There's a lot of free-to-play card games out there right now that are pretty cool and fun to do exhibition matches with your friends. Uh, You'll probably get dominated if you go into the competitive scene. But every Wednesday night, we've been playing Magic the Gathering Arena. I've talked about that before. But you also have Riot has released uh, out of beta. Legends of Ruterra. It plays closer to Artifact, uh, which I heard Artifact has a big update. I haven't played it, um, but people are telling me to go back and play Artifact. I loved Artifact on release. My issue with Artifact was it, like many card games, there became one way to play it, and that was kind of that. Um, but the other piece to it is you want to have a game that people can play on smart devices. You know, phones, tablets, so on and so forth. So things like Legends of Ruterra, Magic the Gathering Arena, uh, even Hearthstone. Um, you know, it's a little late to get into Hearthstone, and I hate to be the guy who calls dead game, but it kind of is dying out. So many people have gone to Magic the Gathering Arena. It's uh, the balancing and the flexibility of it. It's just much more enjoyable than, you know, Hearthstone always has a broken meta. There's always like three or four decks that if you don't have them, you're not really... Uh, involved. Um, and I gotta give a quick shout out to Magic the Gathering Arena. They do something that I think Hearthstone failed at. There's a lot of RNG in Hearthstone to hitting the cards you want or you have to pay to win. Legendaries are 1600 dust, right? And you don't come across that easily. So to build some of these legendaries that you might need, you know, four legendaries in a deck that's a lot of dust that you have to either hope to land legendaries disenchant a great portion of your collection or just pay to buy enough packs to get that dust what magic the gathering arena does that's really nice is that they give you wild cards Um, wild cards will build any card of that rarity you know and you get them simply for opening packs which when I got into Magic the Gathering Arena, a uh, buddy of work got me into it. 
And I was like, dude, I can't compete with your guys' collection. This sucks. I was getting my ass handed to me because, plain and simple, they just had way better cards than me. And for weeks, I felt like I was just, I don't know, getting dominated. I wasn't having any fun. And then, you know, this bike kept telling me, it was like, hey, listen, um, just keep playing. Do your dailies. Open your packs. Everything will be fine. Well, sure enough, if you actually play roughly five to ten games of Magic the Gathering Arena a day, you will have more cards than you know what to do with. And there will never be a situation where you can't build what you want to play. I have wild cards sitting in my collection right now because there's just I've built everything I want to build, um, which is nice. It's So it's more accessible. It feels less pay to win. There's more uh, styles. You could play Commander. You could play Brawl. You could play Arena. You could play Popper. You could play... Uh, uh, what's that other one? Um, Le- Legacy? Legend? It opens it up. So you have standard format, and then you have use any card you want. Um, so it's really cool. And they've got all that on there. And it's very accessible. You can set up. We play a Wednesday night tournament. Um, they have built-in formatting, best of three. And, you know, you can set it up so that you can just you and your family can get down on the tournament. It's really good times. So we've got Jackbox for those that like social games. These card games that you could play uh, on uh, smart devices are fantastic times. And then I've got a couple weird ones for you. These are ones that people don't really think are social games, but they, they can be. Uh, the first one I'd like to put up, point out can be played on the Switch. It can be played on the PC. I don't know if it can be played on Xbox or PlayStation, but I imagine so. Stardew Valley. Last year, Stardew dropped its co-op update and sadly i was kind of over stardew by the time they dropped it because i had already put in hundreds of hours into stardew but for those of you who have not played stardew it's a fantastic little i don't want to call it a farming sim because the farming is a portion of it but seems so minuscule in the great greater scheme of things um you are managing a farm but you're not out there like plowing the fields you know you do have to water the crops. You do have to feed the animals. You do have to collect the resources. But there's also an element of questing in there. You have uh, dungeons you have to crawl through to get almost like Minecraft-style resources. you got to get iron and copper and, and all these things to build for your farm. But what I really like about it is it's got a very good day-night cycle where you have a list of things you have to accomplish during the day. If you're playing it with family um, or friends, you know, especially like kids, there's things that you're going to enjoy that they're not going to enjoy. You know, right? So you might be into, I love decorating my farm and making it look pretty. Whereas most young people are going to love to go down to the dungeons and fight the slime. So they could go down there and kind of get their hack and slash Minecraft on while you're up top getting your um, city builder on. It's not really a city, but you know what I mean. You're managing infrastructure sprinklers how close are things to water how efficient is it to get from my silos to my uh or not my silos my hay fields to the the chickens i got feed you know so it's got a lot of great management aspects to it that kind of make it relaxing while you're also on this day night cycle that kind of pushes you forward uh the seasonal aspect of it is nice too it's like a fast forward of animal crossing for those of you who are out there playing animal crossing which is another game you could play during this time. Um, my only complaint as with Animal Crossing as a social game versus Stardew, 
there's not a lot of built in things you could do in Animal Crossing. You go visit each other's markets, sure. You go sell things on other people's islands, sure. But where are like the mini games and the things you do together? There are, are tasks in Starcraft, a uh, Stardew, sorry, that uh, make it feel like it rewards you for having more players in there. You can accomplish things, you can specialize, you could do things together. Um, one guy can master fishing while another guy masters foraging. You know, there's there's a rhyme or reason to actually having more people in Stardew that makes the game progress in a different way than playing it solo style. And that's just a fun one to like kind of leave up and play. Um, the downside to Stardew is whoever hosts the game has to be available to play it, um, which I have made many friends a victim to. I'll host the game and I'll play it nonstop for a week and then. Those of you who watch my Twitch channel, you know I'm kind of game ADD. So, like, I'm really into something for 20 to 40 hours, and then I'm on to the next thing. Uh, but Stardew's one of those games I always come back to. Um, I always have a uh, desire, a, a, a craving to play it. It's always, like, one of those games I want to come back to. So, if you haven't checked it out, check it out. Um, the last one I'm going to suggest, I'm pretty sure it's on Xbox at PC. Um, I don't know if it's cross compatible. I do believe with the Xbox experience on windows, um, you can play with people on Xbox live, but this one's a fun little, it's, it's a clone. It's a clone of Mario party. It's Xbox saying we want a Mario party. Originally I thought it was closer to fusion frenzy, but, uh, everybody that's played Mario party and played this game with me has told me it's Mario party. It's called pummel party. Uh, Pummel Party is a competition with four to eight of your friends. Actually, there is a two to four map. I forgot. There is a two to four map. I will say, though, that four seems to be the magic number uh, for a lot of the mini games and just to make the map fun. Um, but it's a combination of a board game and a mini game competition. So the point is to collect the most chalices. Chalices are victory points. If you've ever played Settlers of Catan, it's a victory point. Um, there are chalices on the map that you're trying to work your way towards while other people are trying to stop you and you're trying to stop them. You have items you could use when on the board. So on your turn, you could choose to use an item and then move or just move. Um, some of these items protect you. Some of these items attack other people. Some of these items move you around the map quicker. So imagine you're looking down on um, like a shoots and ladder board. Or maybe maybe a sorry board. I don't because it's it's an infinite loop the board is, and these chalices pop up one at a time anywhere on the map. Um, and each square has a thing. You could land on it and pick up items, you could land on it and die, you could trigger a map event, um, you could get special resource collecting abilities from it. So the board game is one aspect of it. And then the mini games um, give you things to progress on the board. Better items uh, determines who gets to go first, who goes last. The winner of the mini game gets to go first the next round. So you play a round of the board, you play a mini game. Based on the results of the mini game, you move. The, at the end of the game, there are things like longest road, largest army, you know, in Catan. Um, there's person that collected keys or a resource in the game, person that dealt the most damage, so it rewards you for trolling your friends, which I love, um, and the person that won the most minigames. 
So <clears throat> just because you don't get the chalices doesn't mean you can't win. Um, and that's a, a nice little feature. Uh, we have yet to see, though, you know, if I get five chalices, which is the mark for winning, do I automatically win? Or can somebody with four chalices that won more victory points win? We haven't gotten to that point to understand that yet. Um, the last time somebody got all five chalices to win, they also won the most mini games and dealt the most damage on the map. So um, they had seven victory points and nobody could really beat that. So that's called Pummel Party. Uh, it's definitely on the PC. I'm pretty sure it's on the X Xbox. I don't know if there's cross compatibility between those two, but it's a lot of fun. The only downside to that one, as opposed to something like Jackbox, is everybody needs to own a copy of the game, and it's around $15 for a Pummel Party. Uh, you might want to put it onto like a Steam wish list and try to catch it on sale. Or if you really want specific people to play it, and I've done this, uh, buy them a copy. You know, on gift uh, Steam, you could gift copies to people. And it's a fun little thing you could do. So those are my recommendations for distance social gaming. Um, if you are also a PC person, a fun little side thing you could do. It's another free thing. Uh, if you download League of Legends... Uh, they have a game mode called Fight Tactics. It's what we call an auto battler. If you're familiar with Dota Auto Chess or Dota Underlords, as it's called now, it's one of those situations. Uh, but you can play private matches, and that can be kind of fun. It doesn't require very strong PCs, but it does require... Actually, no. They have a uh, mobile app. The mobile app works fairly well. I have not yet tried to do a custom game on the mobile app, but you can log right in with your Riot username, um, and you could play that. Um, that's Teamfight Tactics. It's made by Riot. If you have it on computer, you need to get the League of Legends launcher. And you can play it right through there. On your phone, you just go to your store, uh, whether it's your Google Play Store or wherever you Apple trash people call your uh, Apple Store. Um, and download Teamfight Tactics. All right, now I really am done with recommendations for being social from a social distance. I wanted to talk about a few other topics today. It's going to be a little longer episode. I mean, we're already on like the 20-minute mark here. Um, we also have the wife down the hall, distance teaching. I don't know if you guys can hear. I apologize for that, but such is life in distance learning houses with two teachers here, um, especially when they have staggered work hours. <laughs> so the next piece I kind of wanted to talk about was um, a conversation I had with a friend recently about the idea of... Uh, well, I mean, if I'm going to be honest, I guess I have to tell the whole story before I can really get into this. So I was playing Valorant on my Twitch. Um, Valorant, for those of you who are not into the gaming world, is a first-person tactical shooter. It's kind of like somebody took uh, the concepts of CSGO and the abilities of Overwatch and put them into uh, a baby. And here is Valorant. Valorant's really popular right now. And a lot of people don't think it deserves the popularity that it has. Uh, this early into it just came out of closed beta into open beta, but yet there's ranked There's a rank system in a beta, right? So it's kind of weird um, But it's made by riot who also makes League of Legends Legends of Ruterra teamfight tactics They have this plan to release like something like 10 games this year um, after only being a MOBA Company for so long, you know League has been around since the beginning of time Um and a lot of people think that it's getting undue hype just because of the success of League of Legends. So, I was not initially interested in it. Um, I was not very good at CSGO, but 
everybody that I was playing Warzone with, which is a game I do enjoy and I'm pretty good at, I, I, I usually get, you know, between 8 to 15 kills in round of Warzone. I probably win 1 out of 10 games. Um, you know, Warzone was a game I was good at. But all my buddies that I was squatting with uh, started moving over to Valorant. Now, here's where the conversation uh, began between my buddy and I about what I don't think is a controversial concept, but apparently a lot of people do. The only way to get into the Valorant beta was to get drops via Twitch. So what happened was you had to link your Riot account to your Twitch account. Then you had to watch X amount, I believe it was two hours minimum, of Valorant streamers to be put into a pool where you might randomly get drawn to get a beta key. And while the coding was never released publicly, a lot of people that claimed to know what was going on said that, you know, the more hours of uh, streams you watched, the more likely you were to get this beta key. So here I am. I have no interest in the game, but those of you who know me, I'm a social gamer. I like playing games with people I know and friends. I'm more there for the camaraderie than the game itself. I could pretty much be sold into any game if my buddies are playing it. So I want Valorant. How do I get it? I got to start watching streams. Now, thankfully for me, uh, Tim the Tatman, Dr. Lupo, and Summit were all playing Valorant. So there were streamers that I don't mind watching. That were out there doing the Valorant thing. So I probably put in, I don't know, 65 to 70 hours of watching. Now, I was one of those guys that I didn't know what the algorithm was looking for, how they were determining who got what drop. And I was just playing to the odds. I, I was playing to all the rumors I heard. So while I was sitting here working on one monitor, I had 17 streams open and individual windows on my second monitor. Um, funny thing about it, the second I opened the 18th, my computer couldn't handle it anymore. All the videos would essentially pause. So here I am. I've got 17 videos going on all day while I'm working. Well, eventually I get my key, right? And I start streaming Valorant. And Riot then opens it up from a select few streamers to any streamer who has their Riot account connected to their Twitch that is playing Valorant could then drop Valorant keys. So my buddy John gets a key, right? And he doesn't really want to play, but I kind of sucker him into playing a couple rounds. And we get into this conversation about this concept of, I don't know if it's inflated views or if it felt like a money grab from the streamers that were playing this game, why were they playing this game, right? Now, in the case of Summit, I don't think much of it. Summit was a CSGO player. This game is very akin to CSGO. Very, very akin to it. Tim the Tatman, I don't really see any issues with him playing it. For those of you who know Tim, he really blew up in popularity playing Overwatch. And the abilities in Valorant are very much so like Overwatch. So... You know, and Lupo will kind of play any first-person shooter. He loves Tarkov. He did the, uh, well, I guess um, Fortnite is a third-person shooter. But he did Fortnite. Uh, he did Apex Legends. Like, it, it made sense. Lupo just kind of dives into all these shooters. While he's right now most known for Escape from Tarkov, 
Um, he really rose to popularity on Fortnite. Um, but it, it made sense for, I think a lot of these guys would have played Valorant one way or the other. But did they attribute to this inflated success of Valorant because they're the most popular streamers and people are in their game drops? There was a point in time where I was looking and there was something like 2 million viewers on Valorant. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with Twitch, uh, 2 million is a crazy number to be watching one game. At one point in time, Summit had like a quarter million people active in his chat. His active viewers was like 257,000 people in there. Is this idea of rewarding people with a game or a drop on Twitch a problem? Now, the thing I find to be funny about this is Rocket League has been doing this for two to three years now. So when Rocket League launched, which by the way, Rocket League is a fantastic game. Rocket League, you do need a certain level of computer to play or PlayStation, and you can, you can cross console from PlayStation to PC. I'll add that into my list of social games you can play with friends. But I will say this, they need to be gamers. Rocket League is not, there's a learning curve there that it's, it's pretty steep. A lot of fun though, once you get it. Um. But Rocket League has been doing this concept of drops for a couple years now. Because when Rocket League first came out, it was a great game, but it wasn't that popular. Their competitive scene was heavily supported in Korea and Japan, but wasn't doing much in Europe and North America. Then they started doing the uh, Rocket League Championship, whatever that league's called. I want to say it's actually ESL that does Rocket League. Um, I don't know. Somebody does a major Rocket League competition, though. I watch it all the time. I can't stand the casters. I usually just mute and uh, watch the gameplay because it's insane what these guys could do. Things I can only dream about doing. But they started gaining popularity again when they started doing in-Twitch drops for in-game items. Car models. Uh, goal effects. Paint jobs. Decals antenna toppers, roof toppers. And these things were exclusive. You could only get them through a Twitch drop. Nobody had a problem when they did that. But it's a problem when Valorant does a game drop. You know, if I were to, I'm actually gonna do this live right now. I'm gonna go to browsing Twitch and they started to do this thing too during this. It's right here right now. Valorant has a little tag in the top right. If you go into Valorant uh, browsing on Twitch, there's Valorant and it says it has in-game drops. League of Legends has done this, which also means Team Fight Tactics has done this. FIFA has done this. I believe Counter-Strike has done that. Don't quote me on that though. Rocket League has done it. Warzone has done it. It's becoming more and more popular. This idea of be rewarded for watching. I think back to uh, when I used to actually watch watch The Walking Dead before they took it so far from the comics I just can't even stand it. But they used to do a thing. Make sure you watch the whole episode to get tonight's key word. Text dead to 2323597 or whatever. Nobody had a problem with that. 
Is that not the same? Is watching a TV series and texting a keyword not the same as these drops? I don't think it's a problem. And here's why I don't think it's a problem. I would not have been as into Valorant right now had Twitch drops not existed. Had I been able to just email in, which is, by the way, this is how closed betas used to work. It was still luck of the draw. I used to be able to just email a company, go to their website, email the company, and ask to be included in their closed beta. I did this for, uh, oh God, I can't even think about it. We called it floaty boats. I can't even think of what the game was actually called. I want to say like World of Drift, maybe. That sounds possibly correct. Um, it was, I, I can't even think of the name of it now. Um, we called it floaty boats on my channel where you explored this sky world on a sky boat. I don't know what else to call it. Um, they weren't really planes. They were like ships that floated. And, uh, we got into the closed beta for that by a buddy of mine, Rourke emailed in, got access to the closed beta and then won an extra copy of it and gave it to me. But What's the difference between me emailing in a company and getting a key versus me watching a game, learning something about it, figuring out before I even play if I like it or not, and getting a drop, which is what happened to me. If I had not had to watch Lupo and Summit and Tim, I would not have cared as much about Valorant. I wasn't even sure that I wanted to play it. I just wanted to spend time with my friends that were playing it. After watching so many hours of it, I started to realize before I even had access to the game, I knew which character I wanted to meet. I knew what their abilities were. I was excited because I knew the maps. I knew the callouts. As a matter of fact, I think that's an important thing to understand. There is a, a gate, a threshold in Counter-Strike that if you just go in and start playing without doing your homework, you are going to immediately be ostracized by these people that have worked hard to learn how to get through that gate or past that threshold. If it hadn't been for Summit, I wouldn't know what CT means. I wasn't a Counter-Strike player. I hate the toxicity and being called out for not knowing things in Counter-Strike. It was unforgiving to learn the game. Going into Valorant, I knew exactly what CT meant. I knew what Hookah was. I knew what heaven A was. I knew what short A was. I knew what people meant when they said they're pushing through market. I got to do my homework and come into the game as not a complete noob, able to communicate with my teammates because the drops in Twitch existed. Had it not been for that system, I probably would have A, not cared as much about the game, and B, got tilted off by the toxicity of people expecting me to know things that I didn't know because I don't care enough to go on Reddit and research this game. So overall, I think two different things about it. A, I think it provides more good than bad to have the drops. It educates you about the game that you're hoping to play before you get, it's almost like it replaces the tutorial. I've watched enough of it now that I don't need you to guide me through an hour-long tutorial. Which, if you watch 60 minutes or less, you know there's nothing more that I hate than a too-long tutorial in a great game. But, B, my other thought is, 
if you're going to attack Valorant for doing it, you have to attack every other game that's done it. Yes, it is true. Summit, Tim, and Lupo pull in more viewers than the entirety of Rocket League combined. I get that. Even when they have the World Championships of Rocket League, it's still only like half the viewership of Summit. I got you on that. I understand. But that's not Valorant's fault for making a game that is in the category of those streamers. I think that any game that's going to do drops should put those drops in the hands of the most popular, most uh, skilled and informative people of that category. If you're going to drop a League of Legends in Twitch drop, go ahead and put it on um, like a faker stream. <laughs> you know? I mean, I would even say this. I know a lot of people think I'm a cutie pie. It's a meme because, you know, he's not as skilled as he was. But when he actually talks about mechanics and balance, he knows what he's talking about. Right? It's just like if you're going to put a StarCraft drop out there. And you want to put it on Day 9's channel while he's uh, shoutcasting games? Go for it. It makes a lot of sense. Why would you not put a CSGO-like game drop in Summit's channel? It's a no-brainer. Right? So I just had to go on to that rant. I, I actually personally enjoy the concept of in-Twitch drops for in-game things. Educate me about the game. Let me learn something before I go into it. Um, yeah, it feels like a little bit of cash grab, but it's a business. I have no problems with companies that want to do microtransactions. I have no problems with companies that want to do money grab situations. Just don't pretend that that's not what it is. Also, don't make the, the, this is one thing I love about Valorant. Go ahead, try buy a, a operative or whatever they call them right now. An agent, I think they're called. Go ahead, try buy an agent. You can't. Why? Because that would be pay to win. Because some agents are better than others. What can you buy in Valorant right now? Skins. I have no problems with microtransactions like that. If you don't impact my gameplay, go ahead. Microtransactions I do have a problem with. FIFA. I was excited to play FIFA 19. It was the first FIFA game I bought since, I think, FIFA 05 or 06. I was very excited to get into FIFA. Nobody played traditional ranked. Everybody played foot. FIFA Ultimate Team. You have to pay to buy packs to get players. That's a microtransaction cash grab I do have problems with. But guess what? I could just not play your game. Boom. Problem solved. Are beta drops in Twitch a cash grab? For the streamer, maybe. Yeah. Absolutely. Are these streamers going to speak more highly of the game? Probably. But I'll say this to you. Prior to them opening beta drops to any Valorant streamer, Tim was playing, Summit was playing, Lupo was playing, Disrespect was playing, Disguise Toast was playing. You had Pokemon Amon playing, whatever her name is, Pokimane, right? You had uh, Shroud, 
Shroud's girlfriend, which by the way, when I had all the streams up trying to get a, a drop, I had B-Nance up in the back for a lot of it. And hot take here, she didn't speak for the five hours I had her stream up. Other than to call out things, but she had 4,000 viewers. What the hell is that? <laughs> 4,000 viewers, and you're not even talking to your, your chat. Sorry, I digress. So I say keep the drops coming. I liked it. I enjoyed it. It forced me to watch Twitch, which those of you who know, I'm not a Twitch watcher. Outside the people that I care about and support, I don't really watch Twitch. Um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. So the last thing I want to talk to you guys about is a show I just finished. I really enjoyed. And if you can watch this show, you should also go to twitch.tv slash legend and use your Twitch Prime there. Uh, shameless self-promotion. Yes. If you have Amazon Prime, which most of the, my friends that are teachers, you do have Amazon Prime because we live off of that stuff. You have Prime Video. It's included. If you go to Prime Video, you go to Originals, there's a show there called Upload. I highly recommend it. Um, if you enjoyed season one of Alter Carbon, two and three got a little, got a little weird. Was there two? I don't even know. Alter Carbon got weird um, in a way that I couldn't follow it anymore. But um, Upload is kind of the comedic take on that. So the idea is that when you die, um, or as you're about to die, while your brain's still alive and active, you could be uploaded into heaven, a virtual city. Your consciousness is transformed into electricity and put onto a server and sent to heaven. And there's multiple different providers of heaven. It also takes a, a satirical you know, take on... Um, corporations and branding uh, a lot of the things are funny like you know oscar meyer gets involved in the tech game and these things that just make no sense but are kind of funny to think about um so you can get uploaded into all these heavens and depending on how rich you are you get into better or worse versions of it and a lot of these heavens actually remind me of beta testing in games um they're kind of buggy and glitchy and, and weird but this guy gets uploaded into one of these heavens and I don't want to give away too much of it because there's a lot of twists and turns in it. It's funny though. It's, it's a little bit of a whodunit. It's a little bit of a rom-com. Um, but it's, it's definitely comedic, but it's not overly done. For those of you who know me, part of the reason I can't stand Will Ferrell in Am Sandler movies is because while there are great ones, don't get me wrong. I love 51st Dates. I love Step Brothers, Talladega Nights. It's when they have things like Anchorman um, that I get upset where there's just, it's so stupid that there's no story there. That's not the case here. It's story first, comedy comes second. There are moments that just make you kind of shake your head and go, what the fuck? But isn't that how a comedy is supposed to be? So it's on Amazon Prime. It's called Upload. It's 10 episodes long. I believe episodes are 30 to 35 minutes each. Uh, we watched it in the span of like two days. Um, good laughs, good times. Definitely, I think it's a feel good. I, I think it's a feel good. There are a couple like emotional moments, but they're like, aw, that's cute sort of things. Um, 
Give it a, a watch. Let me know what you think. All right, guys. This has been one of our longer solo episodes. Uh, approaching the 40-minute mark now. Please do, if you haven't already, go over to twitch.tv slash E-S-D-A-N-T-H-E-L-E-G-E-N-D. Twitch.tv slash Legend. Give it a follow. Uh, Tuesday afternoons, we do a series called 60 Minutes or Less, where I play one of my many unplayed Steam games for 60 minutes and see if that game hooks me enough to want to play it more or I give it the boot. Out of the four games we've played so far, only one has gotten to the next series, 60 Minutes or Beyond. Uh, that was Fell Seal. But we uh, will continue to play the game if it's good. If not, we move on to other things. I'm also looking to start a Thursday series in the afternoons called Storytime, where I play some of these narrative games that I've been meaning to get to. But I'm the type that if you give me the choice between a narrative story or a multiplayer story, I'm multiplayer all the time. I like to prove I'm better than other people because I am. So I have a bunch of really great titles that I haven't played. Um, I'd like to dedicate a time slot to play those. So I think it's going to be Thursday afternoons we do that. Wednesday nights we play Magic the Gathering. And then we sporadically stream between all those. Uh, so please do check that out if you haven't already. And until I see you guys next time, please do indeed. Stay gold, pony boy. <laughs>